We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady. And Martin Paloma. Welcome to another edition of Mind of My Money presented by Pinnacle and Neil McCready. Martin Paloma joins me as always from Jackson, Mississippi, there at Pinnacle. Uh, it's Thursday morning, late morning, Thursday, February the 9th. Hope you're having a great week. Hope you have a great weekend. It's Super Bowl weekend, Super Bowl that I could care less about. Maybe Martin has major opinions. I'm going to guess he doesn't, so we probably I, won't spend I do any, not. Martin does not, so we probably not. won't spend any time talking about the Super Bowl. We're going to talk about some other stuff. There's, um, there's stuff happening. There's interesting headlines we'll dive into. Martin's got some stuff he wants to talk about, so we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, first, I'll tell you that I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios here in Oxford. Clark Ford in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 is the number to call. Ask for my buddy Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. The rest is up to you. Shop that quote around. You can do what I've done. What I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a uh, Clark Ford today, 662-257-1900. And Martin, before we get rolling, tell the people what's going on there at Pinnacle and how they can get in touch with you guys. Indeed, man. Uh, it kind of sounds like I say the same stuff over and over again it's almost like that vanilla boring you know uh conversation but honestly that's we do try to i do want to get this thing kind of vanilla and boring for our clients that you know that they don't get overly emotional about about markets when they ebb and flow um and that we can really focus on planning and and risk management and making sure that that we don't uh we don't put people's you know neck out there to get to get chopped off um but really that's kind of, you know, that's what we, we try to do when we're working with folks is, 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 is boil it down to the, the planning piece and cash flows and projections, making sure that, you know, we're on track to meet whatever their goals are, whether it's, you know, new house paying for college, uh, you know, retirement, which is obviously everyone has the goal of, of retirement. And then, uh, and then, you know, setting, setting them up for success, um, you know, the best that we can and, continuing to monitor and make adjustments, uh, as necessary. Uh, oddly enough, we've, I've probably made more adjustments to the portfolio in the last, um, gosh, man, we're rolling over onto year three right now of when, uh, when COVID kind of first hit. So it, it man, it a time warp. It does not feel actually, I guess I shouldn't say that. It does feel that long, and then it doesn't feel that long all in the in the same breath. Um, but you know that's kind of one of the things that we do for folks too is, you know, if there are big uh, adjustments we need to make, we do we go ahead and do that on their behalf. We don't sit around and you know ask their permission to do our job. We just do our job. Uh, you know, and I know a lot of folks have been, you know, do it yourselfers 
And that strategy really did work for a lot of 2020 and 2021. And then, and then 2022 was when the Piper came and uh, needed to get paid. So, you know, if, if, uh, if you paid the Piper more than you wanted to in 22 and uh, are ready for some help, that's where, you know, we can step in and provide some guidance, some advice, some services. You can call us 601-957-0323. You know, someone from my team, it may be me, it may be Eric, maybe Reed, uh, reach back out to you, or you can email us info at mypinnwealth.com. By the way, we talked a lot about the uh, Clinton-Brandon soccer game last week before it had happened. Yeah, we did. Uh, Clinton, great match. It turned out to be a great match, which is what yep. I think most people expected. The team that I think most people thought would win one. Clinton wins two to one. So congratulations to uh, Tyler Wade, the Arrows, and everybody at uh, Clinton. Back-to-back state championships. They went undefeated, had one tie, no losses this season. Um, it's a hell of an accomplishment. So congratulations to them. Congratulations to Brandon for giving them one hell of a game. Yeah. Um, and yeah you know, it's kind of funny if you saw Brandon's roadmap to the championship uh, was the gauntlet, man. They had to, they really had to work. And and Brandon had a, um, you know, a great match. They had a great season, a great postseason. Um, you know, you just kind of when you if you run into Clinton in the championship, it's it's a uh, or it's a second, tough one, or in the second round, <laughs> or in the second. Are you when you run into Clinton? Period. I guess I should say that. Um, you know, it's going to be a good match, and I think everyone gives. Clinton their very best you know you never get the if you're Clinton you're not getting you're the game everyone has circled on their sure on their calendar saying hey this is a if we can pull this if we can pull an upset here this is a massive victory sure as um, it should be yeah, yeah. and I mean and dude in soccer and also the Clinton girls uh on Monday won the state championship so yeah boys and girls title pretty awesome uh by the way up, up this way um Lafayette here in Oxford, Lafayette High School, um, lost the 5A state title game, one nothing to um, Long Beach, maybe. Um, I can't remember. Anyway, but I know a lot of the kids, or not a lot of the kids, but I know a few of the kids on the Lafayette team from you know club and stuff yep. up this way. So kudos to them. It's a big accomplishment for uh, for Lafayette to get that far. I know they didn't get quite as far as they wanted to get, but only two teams get to the final. So when you get there. It is an accomplishment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and look, man. There's some, there's some great soccer. I know we said this last time, and we won't turn this into a soccer show again. But although I had a lot of fun talking about it, but there is some great soccer in Mississippi right now, and even you know the junior college level is producing some some really great soccer uh, as well. Let me ask you a question. We didn't talk about this before. The 87,000 extra IRS agents that have been hired. <laughs> Who do you think is the target of those 87,000 IRS agents? Because it doesn't seem that the target of those 87,000 IRS agents is people making $400,000 or more, which was Joe Biden's campaign promise. Mm, yeah, I th- I think it's uh, I think it's going to be, I think it's probably more of, the middle class and probably middle class business owners. Um, you know, those business owners that are making call it somewhere between a hundred and four hundred thousand and, you know, and just trying to keep their business running, probably gonna get the most attention. So in other words, people who own LLCs, single member LLCs. Yeah. People who use contractors and not employees. Yeah. You know how many um, people there are in that boat and how many of those people are like really keep the country going? Uh well, the middle class is the backbone of of the country. And you know, there's a lot of like Jennifer has a little travel business. Um she helps people people book um you know, vacations and stuff like that. Shameless plug. Uh I won't say the name of the of the business. It's WW Getaways, Jennifer Palomo. You can find her on Facebook. Uh, anyway, uh, and she's a contractor, you know, she gets 1099 and we have legitimate stuff that, uh, you know, that we write off through, through her business, especially as we travel and, 
like the cruise that we just did was a little short little cruise, but it was really for her, for the business so that she could talk about it and describe it and, you know, and help her clients. Um, but I'm sure those will be, you know, all those, I keep all the receipts for that because I'm sure we will be uh, audited or, you know, someone's going to come digging through saying, you know, show me, show me that this was legit. You know, the problem in our country is I'm, I'm going to go, this is a mini rant. Then I'll stop. <laughs> All right, cool. Cause I, be, do, I do, I do believe this cause I'm a single paying. I mean, I'm an LLC single one person LLC. I do everything through an accountant, everything. So if they ever come after me, the paper trail is thorough, right? Yep. What bothers me is this. The top 1% of house, this is, comes from the Congressional Budget Office, which I'm going to guess is not a right-wing um, agency. The top 1% of households pay 39.4% of federal income tax, 26.2% of total federal taxes. Yep. The top 20% of households pay 88.1% of federal income taxes and 69.5% of total federal taxes. Yeah. You know, and we did, we actually kind of touched this. I can't remember COVID warped my brain on time-wise. It was many, many shows ago. Like, I mean, I'm talking about years. We actually talked about, uh, you know, what would be the impact of raising the corporate tax rate mm -hmm. and the amount of taxes actually collected from corporations. And I can't remember the number. It was a very small percent. I'm going to say less than 20%. Uh, of total revenue comes from corporate taxes where the bulk of it comes from. And I may be wrong on that number, but I think it's like it was more than half of what the IRS collects is individuals, you know, me and you and our, all of our listeners. So if they were really going to go after, you know, raising money, they, you know, they would hammer the, the individuals versus corporations, or at least that's what I would do if I were them. Because that's where you get the most you get the most lift. I'm a big fan of the idea of everyone gets their full check. Okay. And however yep. you want to do it, monthly, quarterly, annually. But at some point, you've got to take your check. You got to take your tax money up to the federal courthouse, the state courthouse, the whatever, and write that check yourself. Uncle Sam. Same. I'm gonna tell you what, if you saw the money, that's what happens to me, right? I yep. get paid and then I pay the taxes. That's right. So I see my money and then I see it disappear. Yes. But I see my money. And so I know how much I'm paying. And last week we talked about my son's soccer team. This week I'll talk about my son's history class. Cool. They're studying the American revolution right now. It's where they are in, in AP us history. A, a push. That's fine. That's what uh, Bella's crew calls AP US history. Yeah, I never AP. called it that one. Well, I, I wasn't in it in high school. So. Yeah, we didn't have AP classes when we were in high school. We had we had A level and B level, but we didn't call it AP, advanced placement. We didn't call it that. I'm surprised we can still call it advanced placement because it feels like that hurts the feelings of those who aren't in advanced placement. And we don't want to hurt feelings. Um, don't want to hurt feelings. Oh man! No, I don't want to hurt feelings. Feelings, I love it. Feelings are very important. I, I mean, I'll validate that. I think feelings are important. They are, but you know, sometimes, sometimes in life, you got to stare in the mirror a little more honestly. So yeah, well, be real, right? I mean, like we talked about soccer. We talked about soccer for a minute. Hold on, hold on. Oxford lost five to nothing to Clinton in second round. Okay, yeah. you, you saw the standard, and you saw where you were. Yeah. So. You can lie to yourself and go, boy, we were right there. I mean, the ref screwed us. Or or you can go, okay, well, if we want to try to catch those guys, if we want to try to catch those guys, what do we have to do? Yeah, got to get to work. Got to go to work. Got to get better. Got to have more strategy. Have to be more fundamentally sound. Um, have to be better on defense, obviously. Have to be more physical without – without going over the line without committing fouls yeah, yeah. you've got to be more vocal right you, you, you've got to have a conversation you got to sit yeah. down you got to look at the films one of the great things about sports i bet tyler wade if he's listening to this would agree with this one of the great things about sports we always heard this in, in high school i played football the film won't lie yeah it's true it never did it never, never did. does 
you'd make that play on Friday night that you knew, like for me, I was a defensive back. You kind of blew a coverage. You weren't in the right place. You missed the tackle. You knew on Saturday morning it's going to be on the film. Damn it, it's coming on this next play. Here it is. Oh, sh what are you thinking there? It's like, I, I wasn't thinking. I wasn't, that. yes. I, I made a mistake. No, I'm blind. I'm a 15-year-old kid. I'm, I, I wasn't thinking. I don't I was know. thinking about girls. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> Did you see the cheerleader for them? Uh, I mean, it just, I don't know. You didn't have an answer. It, but it was on the film. And the point was, you saw it on the film. Yep. And they weren't yelling at you to humiliate you, usually. It was more, sometimes it was to humiliate you. But usually it was to say, hey, we got to fix this next week because yeah. next week we play slide L or whatever. And we got to, we, they, they, they're going to see this on film and they're going to attack it. So we've got to address this this week. Here's the mistake. Here's how we fix it. Let's go to work. That's the great part about getting past feelings and getting to reality. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can, you can have feelings, but, uh, but you know, I think constructive criticism is, uh, is something that we don't value enough where, where we can say, hey, this is not about me trying to, like you said, trying to humiliate you. This is a learning opportunity. Which leads um, me back to my point. Talking about people like George Washington, Sam Adams, John Adams, Ben Franklin, Thomas John, Jefferson, John Hancock, Thomas Jefferson, Aaron Burr. <laughs> yeah, damn Aaron Burr. Um, dude, I, I love, I love, I'm a little history nerd, dude. I love all that stuff. stuff if that we, we could summon minute, those people from the dead today, yeah, and show them our tax code. I think Washington would say, "Listen, if I do, I get a mulligan because I'm not. Never mind. I'm not gonna. You know what? Instead of on Christmas Eve going across the Delaware, I'm just gonna hang out at home with Martha. Yeah, we're gonna, pop, we're gonna pop some popcorn. Yeah, we're gonna cider. That's why we're gonna have some cider. We're gonna, you know, drink, I mean, drink a little bit of ale. Rum was a big deal back then. I, I'm, I, I'm gonna. We're gonna pour some rum. I'm yeah. going to chase Martha around the bedroom a little bit, see what happens. <laughs> and I, I mean, I'm going to do something that's a hell of a lot more comfortable than, than what I did. We're not going to, I'm not going to lead these men, many of whom didn't even have shoes by that point, through the ice, the icy Delaware River so that we can fight on the other end, knowing that a lot of them are going to die. Fighting for our freedom, fighting. For, if you'd said, hey, we're, we're just going to create a tax code where middle class people, and upper middle class people, what is it, Martin? By the time you pay state taxes, federal taxes, payroll taxes, it's it's fifty percent of your income half the time. Yeah, a lot of times it is. And it's insanity. It's total insanity. I think they would have. I, I think those people would look at it today and go, "It wasn't worth it." I'm gonna see if in my little book, look if I've got the. I mean, I know we could hit Mother Google and she would give it to us, but. I was just saying, I mean, if I hey, had Biden historical. Going after, we're going after waitresses and waiters uh, tips now. I mean, come on. Yeah, and dude, I the thing I would tell him on that one is, good luck, and he will probably spend more than he will bring in in going after, you know, uh, cash tips for yeah everybody. For servers. Everybody lies on their tips. You fill out the tip form if you have cash tips of like a hundred bucks at the end of a shift. You claim like five dollars. It's just what yeah, dude. Just I mean, over it. I, I I waited tables and bartended in college. You know, and that, that put me through school. It was it was the most money I could make legally. You know, while I was in college, and um, you know, for the amount of hours that I put in, and and dude, and most of, and at that time too, most most people were still paying cash. Um, you know, credit card tips did get reported. Um, but dude, cash tips, I didn't make any cash that night. Mm -mm. I mean, I was a bartender. We'd make a couple hundred bucks in, in cash tips. Yep. And at the end of the night, you'd say, well, how much do you claim? I'd be like $8 and $5. Yeah. Yep. hundred percent. Everybody does that. hundred percent. Those yeah. people, that, that's, that, I, that's I would tell him enough, that's not enough good. revenue to even pursue. No, dude, he would, he would literally have to have. It'd be like the mafia. I mean, you know what it would be like? It would be like Cuba, man, where they have a government official in the restaurants in Cuba. And if you tip in Cuba with a U.S. dollar, that government official uh, in that restaurant just takes that money. The server doesn't even get it. Just takes it. They would have to have something like that to be able to to manage that. It's And that, that doesn't even make sense, man. All right. Speaking of um, 
the service industry. Here's a story in the Wall Street Journal I was telling you about a minute ago. Uh, Sarah Cheney Cambon and Ray A. Smith combined to write this for the Wall Street Journal. The headline, mass layoffs or hiring boom? What's actually happening in the job market? Awesome. I was going to talk about that a little bit. So let's let's see what Sarah and Ray have okay. well, here's what to they say. say. Interest rates are rising. Inflation is elevated and recession fears linger. Despite all that, employers keep hiring. The U.S. added 1.1 million jobs over the past three months and ramped up hiring in January. That appears puzzling given last year's economic cooldown, signs that consumers are pulling back on spending as the savings dwindle, and a stream of corporate layoff announcements, particularly in technology. Driving the job booms are large but often overlooked sectors of the economy. Restaurants, hotels, I'm sorry, restaurants, hospitals, nursing homes, child care centers are fully and finally staffing up as they enter the last stage of the pandemic recovery. Pandemics. Those new jobs are more than offsetting cuts announced to huge by huge employers such as Amazon and Microsoft. Employers in healthcare, education, leisure, and hospitality and other services such as dry cleaning and automotive repair account for about 36% of all private sector payrolls. Together, those service industries added 1.19 million jobs over the past six months, accounting for 63% of all private sector job gains during that time, up from 47% in the preceding year and a half. By comparison, the tech-heavy information sector, which shed jobs for two straight months, makes up 2% of all private sector jobs. A couple more paragraphs and we're done. Yep. The hiring spree is everyday the hiring sp spree in everyday services shows that the sector's hardest hit in the pandemic's first months when 22 million jobs were lost unnecessarily uh, are continuing to recover those gains may prop up the broader econ economy enough to avoid a recession the sector is driving job growth uh, in the, the sectors driving job growth include hotels, hospitals, and restaurants, which laid off workers and pandemic shutdowns and social distancing in 2020. At, after demand surged during reopenings, they started hiring again, but they struggled to land enough employees and enough new employees and retain existing ones. So what do you think? Um, I mean, dude, that was so one of the I sat on a webinar yesterday which is going to dovetail exactly what you're, and it was all about, it was all, it was bonds. It was fixed income. Um, you know, and, and I'm a bond guy. So those things like that's, those are the things I get excited about. Uh, most people and most normal people don't, but really when we, when those, when we get into those conversations, we're really more talking about the economy and economics in its most pure sense than, than actually investment products because bonds, Bonds at the end of the day are are just simply math. There's not very much emotion tied to bonds because it's it is a publicly traded market, but it is not uh, marked every second like you get with the stock market. And emotions don't play as big of a part. So we just look at the numbers, you know. And one of the things they were talking about, a couple of things. One was the inflation bit. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. And they broke it out, you know, kind of looking at month over month inflation versus year over year. And we can talk about that a little bit in a minute too. But the other piece he was talking about was um, you know, the jobs piece where uh, a lot of the job openings, just like you said, um, have been in more battered industries, but also a lot of part-time, um, you know, part-time stuff. And the jobs that are being lost, like we said, the last several shows uh, kind of really feels like a white collar recession, you know, and you're seeing most of those layoffs in, you know, the tech field. Um, you've seen some in the financial services, like, you know, Goldman um, had their layoff. And then, you know, even you know, the one that's very near and dear to my heart uh, yesterday announced they were going to lay off, uh, you know, 7,000 or eliminate 7,000 jobs that at Disney. And, uh, and that sounds like a lot, man. That's, and it sounds awful for me to say this. That's, that's like somewhere between three to 4% of their entire workforce um, that's, that's getting laid off. But one of the things that uh, the statistics that the guy who was running the webinar showed was there are, um, you know, there was these, all these openings of these, uh, he called them hard to fill jobs. So mm -hmm. there are more skilled workers. It's not, uh, and I don't mean this in a demeaning way, but it's not your restaurant jobs. It's not your, you know, um, your retail, you know, selling clothes at the gap or something like that. It's a, it's a little bit more of a sophisticated job. Um, but those numbers have fallen. Those openings have fallen. And I, th the, the premises believes that a lot of those guys who were, you know, in the tech fields um, that have lost their job are kind of um, being underemployed and they're filling other roles that are outside of, you know, outside of tech or outside of high finance that were previously harder to fill, you know, non-farm payroll um, jobs. So it's been a smaller percentage. And I think historically, you know, our unemployment rate is somewhere in that 5 5%, 6% on average, uh, we're still running, we're, we are still below, you know, that number. And it's been, um, you know, and it's been that way for a while, which is one of the reasons the fed continues to say, Hey, we've got room to raise interest rates, to squeeze more on these companies. Because if you kind of go, let's go down the waterfall of, you know, inflation, what, what in, in the end, what really creates Inflation, which is, you know, when wages are rising and people have more money in their pockets, that's generally going to be an inflationary market. But if you couple like rising wages with, you know, the government pumping in cash like they did, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, Isn't that's that what a, really drove it, Martin. It was hundred percent. I mean, we and a low we, interest rate environment from the Fed. Those are the just, two big factors. We just poured money into people's hands. Yeah, you're you're asking them to. You're asking for inflation to happen. It's it's just like the whole the apples thing. You know, if you had ten apples and they were they were ten bucks, a dollar an apple, you know, if you give me twenty bucks to spend on apples, then the value of those apples are gonna rise. They're gonna sell them to the highest bidder. And then we had a little bit of the the supply chain, you know, issues couple in with now there were fewer apples, but it's still a lot more cash than normal to follow those apples. So you got this like I'm not gonna say hyperinflation because that's a real that's a real thing. And we didn't experience that. We had this, you know, largely elevated inflation because of, because of those two environments, but you're right. It's uh, it's fed induced hundred percent. 
I mean, they pumped now, all of that money into the system, and of course that created inflation because it cheapened right. cheapened the dollar. Well, and it gave people more cash in their pockets to spend on stuff. So they were spending. And when there is when there is demand for something and the supply is either the same or diminished because of some of the supply chain stuff, then the only thing that the only variable that's going to change in that is price which is inflation, right? Yes, of course. So yeah, you're, uh, we're, we're at the point now of where we're having to pay the piper of taming the inflation deal. The fed might pull off, you know, uh, this deal where they don't throw us into this massive recession and able to cool off, you know, the economy, the verdict is still out on that. Um, but, you know, the tool that they have to use is continuing to raise interest rates, which they have. And it is having the effect of that they intended, which is you raise interest rates. It makes companies make a decision on, hey, if we got to keep profit margins where they are and our cost of everything is going up, the only option we have now, if we can't sell more stuff, is to start eliminating, you know, uh, general administrative expenses, which is, you know, humans are a part of that. So job layoffs happen, wages start coming down because then people are like, oh shit, you know, I, I better shut my mouth on asking for a raise because at least I have my job. My right. buddy just got laid off. Right. Then there's less money in people's households and things are getting more expensive. So they start spending less on things, on stuff. Money stops chasing stuff. We have a little bit of a flattening out or either a disinflationary environment where prices start coming back down to where people it'll meet them at the level where people will start spending again. And that's kind of where we are is there's been a little bit of disinflation. You know, folks are still not spending like they were M two money supply has rolled over for the first time. Like in, I don't know how many decades it's rolled over the amount of money that's out there. It's been growing, you know, every year since they started tracking it, but we've rolled over a little bit, which is good. That means there's less money out there in the economy. So things are cooling off. Um, you know, hopefully we're at the end or getting close to the end of these interest rate hikes. But dude, it sets up a really good environment for bonds um, for the next, probably the next several years. Um, I'm not saying that stocks won't outperform bonds, but dude, we haven't had this environment for call it con relatively safe, you know, interest, uh, earnings in since before 2009. I mean, there's a whole generation of people that have never earned any interest income in their savings account or in their, you know, in their short-term bonds. And that's different now. Was it last week that you said, keep an eye on Disney stock? <laughs> no. Uh, although I do love Disney, it's a very emotional deal for me. Um, but Bob Iger is a, he is a very, very good operator. Um, well, today the wall street journal says one stock to watch today is Disney. The yes, shares it, jumped, the shares jumped early after the company reported its latest earnings and job cuts. Yep. Losing some steam after activist inventor Nelson Peltz ended his proxy fight with the media. Yep. Well, dude, in Disney, so Disney is a conglomerate of different things, man. I mean, you've got the parks, you've got, uh, you know, like their ESPN, ABC stuff. Then you have the studio side, you know, Marvel, Star Wars, um, you know, all their Disney related stuff. It's a, it's a, it's a conglomerate of different, of different, uh, and then the streaming side of it. Um, but you know, one of the things they announced yesterday, which was kind of funny, uh, I did the math on it just cause I'm, I'm probably the only idiot that does stuff like that when I hear it. Uh, you know, they were like, oh, we're going to Disney announced 7,000 job cuts to help save 5.5 billion in costs. I'm like, if that's just from job, which it can't be, but if that's just from jobs, those people would have to be making like almost $800,000 a piece to save 5.5 billion on 7,000 jobs, but they didn't announce what the other cuts were going to be in the same time. They've also returned back to full-time, you know, housekeeping in all of the resorts, they're getting the parks back to what they were looking like pre COVID. Um, so, you know, it's a, uh, and then they had a good, they had a good, uh, 
you know, a good quarter from an earning standpoint. You know, and a lot of the companies that you're going to see that are cutting jobs are going to end up having, you know, the stock's going to perform well because they're increasing margin. Profitability. Okay. Sorry, I got technical on that term. No, I was trying to think how to ask what is that? No, mean? not for you, for our listeners. Well, it was, it was a little, listen, <laughs> it was a little technical for me. I'm trying to, I, I'm, I've learned a lot doing this show with you, but I'm still between you and my friend, Josh Hendrickson, who's a, uh, economics professor at Ole Miss. I'm, I am. Dude, we should do a, we should do a show with Josh. Oh, we should absolutely do a show with Josh. That'd be great. You, me and Josh, and I will just sit back and like read baseball stories or something while y'all talk. Cause I argue. <laughs> I'll get lost, but well, I think it would be fun to do it just to talk in layman's terms. He has a substack, by the way, called Economic Forces. I can make it happen, dude. That would be fun, man. I can make it happen. It'd be fun for me. It may not be fun for anybody else. <laughs> I no. can, uh, I can fangirl and no, I'd love for the two of you guys to get together and just have a conversation about where we are, why we are where we are financially, yeah. and how do we? Is there a way to get out of it? Is there a way to make it where everybody thrives? Yeah, because, I mean, like I saw where someone said the other day, you know, the answer to poverty is more money. And I'm like, well, yes and no. Yes and no. The answer to poverty is not just taking money and giving it to someone. The answer to poverty is to create. I mean, it's the parable about you better off giving someone a fish or teaching someone how to fish. Right. I was going to say education really is have and and has been found that education is the is the best path out of out of poverty and which is why you see firm like organizations like teach for america going into with you know these fantastic pedigree teachers going into the worst education systems in the whole US you know trying to make an imprint to help you know some of these kids escape from from poverty why you saw like uh in arkansas just this week sarah sanders the newly elected governor who gave the republican response to the state of the union she said within three years every student in the state of arkansas will have school choice they're rolling it out now for the 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 most at-risk students the 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 way out of poverty is education or the best money the, at something. The best for the best way for the most people is education. Because there's going to be some of those folks that you know we see on Saturdays and we'll play on Sundays that will make it out because of athletic talent. Yeah, um, that's you can't count on that. That's that's right. Education is the best. I mean, you, you, um, if if your if your strategy of getting out of poverty is I'm going to play in the NBA. I mean, best of luck. Yeah, boy. I mean, there's so many variables to that, that, but if your plan is I'm going to get, I'm going to get technically sound at something, or I'm going to learn a trade, or I'm going to become, I'm going to go to a, a school where I'm going to be given a real opportunity and I'm going to take the take advantage of it. And I'm going to learn and I'm going to apply myself and get an, get advanced education and, and get into the job market. Well, you will absolutely climb out of poverty. What we just said is completely and politically incorrect. And if we were on YouTube, they'd flag us. Even though what we said is exactly the truth. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I mean, that's my mom's family, you know, when she was growing up, very, very poor, I would say definitely qualified for being in poverty. Um, you know, but, but her mom and dad were hell bent and determined that all the kids were going to get at least a high school diploma. Um, you know, hoped that some of them would go to college. A few of them did. She had a large family, but you know, all of the kids ended up, you know, escaping, um, you know, poverty in little poor Bassfield, Mississippi. None, none of the kids live in Bassfield. And then, uh, you know, my dad's case, you know, they were very, very wealthy, um, farmers in Cuba had everything taken from them, um, by Castro. And when they came to the U.S., you know, were essentially with nothing. Uh, but, you know, of course, dad was very well educated, um, you know, went to University of Miami, continued his education, 
you know, got a degree, became an engineer, um, built businesses. And, you know, it's like the thing I love about the U S man is, uh, you know, you're willing to work hard. You can make something of yourself. Um, you know, and we see that time and time again on the back of immigrants that come over here, you know, from all over the world and, and they just work their tail off and they make something for themselves. I'm not saying they're all millionaires by any stretch of the imagination, but far and far and wide better than where they came from and creating the path for their kids yeah. to build something. No, we've talked about it with you before and we probably should do it again. Your story's an incredible story. I mean, it's, I mean, it's a, it's an incredible story. And then, you know, when your dad passed away and yep, things got, things yep. got tough. Yep. We went, we slid backwards, man, a physical death and a financial death. So maybe one day we cover that again, man. Yeah, we probably should. I'm good with it. We probably should cover that one day. You know, it's, we probably we have a lot more listeners now than we did in our very first episode. <laughs> yeah, we, we need to tell your story again sometime. Um, and because it's 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 incredible. I mean, both of my parents, they're both 80 years old, they're both born in 1942. They didn't come from much. I mean, my dad's mother grew up in Tallulah, Louisiana, head over to Tallulah sometime and tell me about prosperity. Um, she might've finished the ninth grade, 10th grade. His father certainly didn't go to college. He may have, may have graduated high school. Um, they didn't grow up with much at all. And they grew up with more than my mother who grew up first in Farmerville, Louisiana. Again, we could talk about prosperity if you'd like. Um, there's not much in Farmerville. Um, her mother died and she was in a teenager and she basically turned into a housewife at a young age and they had no money, they had no money, nobody, they may have had high school degrees. They had no money. I mean, and, and my parents, my dad has a doctorate. My mother has a master's, um, both from the university of Alabama. They grew up in North Louisiana to, to, to think that, I mean, on the, on the day that my father was born, the day that my mother was born in the summer of 1942, none of their parents probably would have believed that that child 20 some odd years later would be getting an advanced degree from the university of Alabama. That probably would have been an unforeseeable event. And they did it. They did it through work. Yep. No one gave it to them. They had to go earn it. And then they had to apply their, their, trade my dad was in higher education my mother taught high school and i've told people this i've told you this i didn't i grew up in what was probably a middle class home i thought we were rich <laughs> I did. Yeah. no i did I, I did not know that we were not rich until i got to college and i realized oh shit we were not rich. Still damn proud of where I was from and everything that we had, but I, I mean, I never wanted for anything. Right. I mean, never had to worry about a meal. And that's because my parents worked their asses off. You work yep. your ass I mean, you work your ass off for your kids. I mean, I, I, it's the whole I don't even know where we're going with this. It's just it's very frustrating to me. It it really is. It's very frustrating to me to to see kind of where we're going with our country and the entitlement and people talking about Here, here's how we fix this. And then the, the way that they claim to fix it is completely nonsensical and is completely antithetical to what the country was founded on. And we don't teach that anymore. We don't, we don't even talk about it anymore. I'll, I'll give credit to Carson's class at Oxford high school. They're actually having real conversations about how the country was founded. That's awesome. Yeah. We, and this all started with uh, talking about AP or a push and then, we started talking about taxes and then, uh, and then we got off into a little bit of, um, people seeing where their tax dollars are spent. And there's a lot of things that I'm grateful for, for, for tax dollars. Um, and it would be, it would be really cool if, uh, you could allocate, but I, I mean, I understand how that's, that would not even be practical to be able to say, Hey, I want to give more of my money to education, uh, and less of my money to you know, discretionary spending 
for, uh, you know, for the budget. Wouldn't you love to know where all the money that's going to Ukraine is really going? What's it going to? Is what, what specifically? I'd love to see a layout of dollar for dollar. Where's the money that's going to Ukraine? Where's that going? The $40 billion we sent to Ukraine. Where's that money going? The wide open southern border that all the people are coming through. What's what are paying for all these services? What are we what are, show me specifically dollar to dollar the way that if you were to come audit my LLC and I'm probably inviting one now, if you were to come <laughs> audit my LLC, you'd see dollar for dollar. Here's where the money went. Yeah. Show me where the money went. Yep. Be transparent. Sent $40 billion to Ukraine at a time that we don't really have it in our country. Okay. I mean, why? Where did it go? What are they doing with $40 billion other than laundering a shit ton of it? Where, where, where's it going? Are, are we buying weapons? Are they, are we paying for food? Are we, are we paying for bread? I mean, what, what, what are we doing over there? That's where people I'd love to know, but we, we've created a society of idiots that just go, okay, Hey, it comes out of your check. They never even think about the money. It's really, it's, it's I think it's the solution to so many of our problems. Don't have federal withholdings. You get a well, bill. You get a bill, and you can decide. I want to pay this monthly. I want to pay this quarterly. I want to pay it annually. But you're going to damn. You're going to damn well pay it, and make everybody pay a tax. Even well, if you I, don't make jack, you got to pay a certain percentage to tax. Go o- over to the courthouse and write the check, or pay it out well, in cash, or put it on your card. However you want to do it, but everybody has to contribute. We have fifty percent or more of the American public that pay no taxes. This is true, people-wise. So they're completely uh, disengaged. Don't care. They don't, they don't care. And and Darwin was on to something. Okay, he was. Well, I think too. If like it's like with subscriptions, the reason that so many companies want to put you on a subscription is because after a little bit of time, you just forget about it. Of course. You know, unless you're hawking your account and you actually do look at your account every month and budget every little piece that comes in and out. Which I realize most. Probably if most if, if if we're being honest, most people don't do that. They might log in online and and look and see, but you know that's the subscriptions. Hope that you forget about them, especially the ones that are just an annual pop, not the ones that come out each month. The ones that'll pop you on a you know, hey, you're going to pay for the whole year one time, and it's on auto renew. Because I have a couple of those that I get hit with, and I'm like, damn it, uh, I forgot to cancel that guy. Yeah, because sometimes it takes a minute to go cancel, or you have to, and they make it very difficult to cancel. Some, so. Sometimes they do. Yeah, there's a newspaper that I've been given a little bit uh, of a monthly cash to, and I cannot figure out for the life of me how to cancel. <laughs> how to cancel? So I just leave it alone. I just let it go, and I'm just like, all right, well, I'm just gonna. That's just five bucks a month. That's that I'm just gonna I'm just gonna forget about and give up on because I've tried, and I end up spending more time than I'm like, man, this is this is not even worth the effort I'm putting into it. I'm sure they love that. You've got meetings coming up in five minutes. Anything else before we, uh, we bolt? I do. Well, yeah, let me just kind of hit one thing. I, I wanted okay. to talk about a little bit, uh, the inflation stuff. Yeah. Um, and I've got numbers through November of 2022 and I'm, I'm talking about, uh, I'm, I'm going to be talking about like month over month inflationary numbers versus the, year over year. And we can talk about both for a minute, but I think month over month is just more important than year over year. So at November, um, November of 2022, our core, core CPI, core inflation. Now core is minus food and energy was at six per, 6% headline that includes food and energy was at 7.1. Um, when you kind of look at the month over month, one of the trends that we've seen really kind of since August, uh, the month over month growth number has been tracking down to where as the, the what I was on the call I was on yesterday, and I don't have the numbers to back this up because uh, I don't have his sheet. But as I understood it, and I may be saying this wrong, so people may beat me up if I'm wrong about it. If I'm wrong, I'll say I was wrong. Um the month over month numbers have now started to, instead of just growing by less, because like month over month numbers since August, you know, August was up 0.6%, uh, September same up. So inflation went up, you know, 0.6. And then in October, it was only up 0.3. So the trend line started positive. And then 
November, it was up 0.2. So we were still growing, but it was growing by less, which made the year over year number start shrinking too. But as I understood December and even January, um, expecting January to be negative growth numbers. So inflation is finally quote unquote rolling over. Uh, and I think that's really important for folks with, you know, when you're looking at your portfolios, kind of making the decisions on your portfolios of, you know, how do you, how do you allocate uh, what you've got? And I said it all out to say, I think it really sets up a really nice environment um, for bonds for the next couple of years where bonds are actually going to, you can earn um, some long-term returns in bonds. They will actually work, uh, you know, to offset any losses we have in stocks and, you know, stocks could rip this year or they could kind of go nowhere, but I think fixed income bonds is going to have a, you know, a, a mid to high single digit returns this year. And I think that, uh, <clears throat> I don't think that the fed is going to do a whole lot of cutting. Some people say that there's going to be some cuts at the end of the year. I'm still not in that camp yet. I may be wrong. Uh, I would love for you to prove me wrong if you're fully allocated to bonds at that point, because then that means, you know, you're getting price appreciation on your bonds. So I would say if, if people tuned us out for this whole show and the only thing they're hearing is this very last piece is, is don't, don't your bond portfolio was a source of pain last year, worst bond return since you want to guess the year you're not going to, it's, I mean, it's so stupid. You're not gonna be able to guess it, but I'll give you a shot. When was the last time we had this bad or worse? Fixed in bond returns. 1945. 1788. Oh, I remember that. Tell me, tell me that is not insane, man. So bonds got crushed last year. So don't don't kick them out of the portfolio this year. This is when we need to be making sure we've we've got them in there and we're adding them in. Good stuff. You've been consistent on that for months now. <laughs> I I have. And I will die on that hill. Well, please don't die on it. Just Plant a flag and stay. <laughs> Someone may shoot me while I'm on the hill. It's possible, but I hope not. We'll, we'll hope not. So anyway, we'll stop there. Thanks to everybody for making us part of your week. As always, uh, we'll be back, I guess, next week. I don't think we have any plans. Otherwise, we'll be back next week with another edition of Mind on My Money presented by Pinnacle. It's uh, mypinwealth.com, M-Y-P-I-N-N, wealth.com. For Martin Palomo, I'm Neil McCready. Until next time, have a great weekend. Take care.